Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled Waiting for Peace and is based on Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. It was delivered on the second Sunday of Advent, December 4th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. Well, we turn now to Matthew's Gospel as we continue in this season of watching and waiting. And as Pastor Matt Schultz reminded us last Sunday in his children's message, Advent is the church's new year. And so we are beginning a new liturgical year, all of us. And we are considering once again God's promise to each and every one of us that there are better days ahead. That what God did long ago was the impossible. But because God did it, it changes the present and our future. We are living in the already but not yet kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 3, the proclamation of John the Baptist. Listen now for the word of God. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a fifth grader at Cornelia Elementary School in Edina, Minnesota, Matt Woodley always felt sorry for a student named Gary. With his high, squeaky voice, hyperactivity, 
social ineptness and his tall, skinny body, Gary was an easy target for grade school thugs. People teased Gary until he would, as they called it, spaz out. Matt Woodley, he didn't actually participate in the teasing, but he didn't stop it either. That is, until one day in December, when they were going out to the playground, he saw that Gary was on top of a snow hill surrounded by six boys. And they were hurling insults at him, flinging snow at him. They were teasing him. As Matt watched, something snapped inside him. He raced toward the snow hill. He dove sideways into the throng of boys, knocking out three of them. And then he scampered up to the top of the snow hill and he joined Gary. And there, he said with great confidence to these thugs, Hey, if you want Gary, you're going to have to come through me. After a little confusion, one of the boys said, Let's get them, boys. Let's pound their faces into the snow. And that's exactly what they did. They got destroyed on that snow hill. But Matt Woodley writes this, It was great what happened to us. For the first time in my career as an elementary student, I actually cared about something beyond myself. I was a freedom fighter against oppression and injustice. That day, on an elementary school playground, Matt's heart cracked wide open. He looked around the world, or at least Cornelia Elementary, and a voice whispered into his ear, this isn't right. This is not the way It's supposed to be. Violence and injustice should never have the upper hand. There has to be a better way. And to this day, he has no idea where the voice came from. But he says that it was loud and it was clear and it was obvious. And the story reminds us of the voice that the people of Israel heard long ago through the prophet Isaiah. Words like this, they will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And later, these unforgettable words, words that the people of God held onto so desperately, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The voice is quiet at first, but then it gets louder and louder. The voice says to God's people, you were made for better days. You were made for peace. And the Jews who first encountered these whispers had a word to describe exactly what those better days would be. And the word is shalom. It's the same word the Jews use to this day. Shalom, peace in Hebrew. And in the Bible, 
God's peace, shalom, meant so much more than simply the absence of war, and we all long for that, especially as we see what's going on in Europe and in other places. Now, it indicated more than a positive state in one's soul or a private transaction between God and the individual. The longing for God's shalom, the waiting for peace, included those things, but for those radical Jewish believers, peace was much bigger much broader. Matt Woodley is a preacher, and I stumbled onto his sermon, The Peace Jesus Brings. And in that sermon, he writes with great confidence, shalom meant not only inner peace or spiritual peace, it meant wholeness and completeness throughout all creation. It meant the end of injustice, It meant the rich would no longer devour the poor. It meant all brokenness would be set right and healed. It meant that people would love one another. Shalom would flow deep and broad, embracing all of creation, including plants, animals, the waters, all the earth, all of it. For the Jews... The hope of shalom was wrapped up in a person, not a feeling. Someone is coming, they would say to each other. Someone is coming who will open the door to peace, to shalom. The question was who? Who was coming? They held on to Isaiah's words. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They held on to those words. They also held on to the words we heard in Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Who's coming? Who is this bearer of shalom? Where will he come from? What will he do? John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, was the forerunner of the one who would come bringing in this peace, the one who was greater than John himself. John emerged from the wilderness wearing bizarre clothing and had an interesting diet. But out there he preached on God's final judgment and he preached the repentance of forgiveness of sins. And he offered a water baptism to confirm a, repentance true de- a repentant person's true desire to live a new life. His messages on repentance were never without the hope of forgiveness. And he knew folks couldn't have the, fo- the hope of forgiveness without understanding in some small way the grace of God which offers that forgiveness. Those who courageously came to him, and there were many. Those who came to him wanted to change. They knew they weren't right. They knew something was wrong. They needed forgiveness. They needed their brokenness to be healed. How many of us can relate to this moment right now? We can't quite put our finger on it, 
but we know there's just something not right within. Something is obviously broken, and it doesn't take long to feel the brokenness all around us. Countries waging war, pandemics lingering on, the flu season is already out of control. Someone this morning has received a bad medical diagnosis, careers end abruptly, dreams are shattered, friendships end bitterly, another marriage is, is on the rocks, children disappoint, and there's loneliness, there's bitterness, there's pain. Now, if we're not careful, we'll let this brokenness define who we really are. We let it define us, but we shouldn't. In the midst of our most shattering circumstances, there's still hope. We heard this last Sunday. There's still hope. The baby whose birth we celebrate every year with lights and ornaments, music, liturgy, and gifts is the same baby who would later be called the Prince of Peace. He had no home to call his own, but he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and the people. In the Gospel of John, we read this. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. And isn't it interesting that the same baby would grow up to have disciples follow him and he would say, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The one in whom John the Baptist prepared the way is the one who brings healing to this broken world filled with broken people. He is the one who brings peace. And the thing is, the only way we can experience this peace is if we have an openness to the Prince of Peace. C.S. Lewis used to talk about our slightest openness to God is just enough for God to do amazing work in our lives, the slightest openness to God. Our slightest openness to the Prince of Peace may be just enough. But the moment we abandon this truth, even when things get harder and harder and harder, is the moment we not only allow our brokenness to define us, but to win too. My friend, Michael Brown, wrote a new book and it's titled, A Long Ago Birth in a Right Now World. Some of you are reading it for the Advent book study. It's very, very good. And in that book, he says this. If the evil of any given moment numbs us to the beauty of the Bethlehem moment, then Herod is victorious. And we just can't have that. For the same one who declared himself as the light of the world, those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, is the same one who invites us to follow him and to be the light, to be the peace. In a couple of moments, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. Look at the table the antipendium is not covering the words, 
this do in remembrance of me. They're right there for you to see. But look just above the table. What do you see on the reredos? There's a cross. When you think about it, what we're doing together here is almost as jarring as John the Baptist's preaching. We celebrate the sacrament, but we also remember the journey the Christ child took all the way to the cross. His life, his ministry, his teachings, his healings, they all led to Golgotha. And the cross and the nails of Good Friday just don't seem to go with Advent and Christmas, do they? But the stories are permanently intertwined. You can't undo one from the other. We cannot see the manger without also seeing the shadow of Golgotha's cross cast onto it. On the communion table, we have the reminder of our pain, our brokenness, and the cost of our rebellion, the dark side. The dark side of brokenness. The bread and the cup, which are symbols of Jesus' body and blood. In the supper, we meet the bearer of shalom. In the supper, we meet the one who brings us peace. In the supper, we meet the one who brings us better days. In the supper, we meet the one who fulfilled all the promises of God. Here, we experience forgiveness. Here, we experience healing. Here, we experience shalom. Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for your peace and the promise of better days ahead. For all who struggle, even now, grant them your favor. May they feel your healing touch. May they experience your peace. We ask this in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.